TBCC episode 42, my realization of the day. Every man and every woman is a star. Do what thou will shall be the whole of the law. Love is the law, love under all. Thou hast no right but to do thy will. Belief and power of self and partnership between sexes. Every man and woman is a star. Happy Valentine's Day, you beautiful bastards. Let's start the show. Yes, yes, yes. Hello, hello, everybody. It is your boy, Devon Taylor here, a.k.a. underscore Daddy Disco on Twitter and Instagram, and welcome to the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. This is the podcast where we talk, um, we explore the subgenres of horror and all of our favorite movies. We have a different theme every month, and then we're going to break the subgenres down even deeper than that. It is week two of Lovesick Month here in February. We have Valentine's Day this week. And um, yeah, I'm feeling all the feels, and I am very excited to talk about this movie today. Um, we have this is a spotlight episode. Haven't done a single movie episode in a hot minute, but this is one of my all-time favorites. I've basically been waiting the entire podcast to talk this movie this month, and I have a lovely, lovely guest joining us today to break down this movie. Our guest is one of my favorite YouTube creators. Her channel, Nick Sphere, is full of laid-back, insightful, and hilarious horror insights. Also a very talented musician, one of the best theme songs on all of YouTube, May Leitz. Welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you, too. I hope that the Valentine's Day spirit blesses you with a whole lot of love this year well you know that is interesting um are you a fan of the holiday in general to start off well you know i try to be i try to be an optimistic kind of person so i like to think you know oh well it's sweet people are in love isn't that great but at the same time you know there's there's probably just a tad of a frustration in there right um sometimes with yeah. Valentine's Day. Oh yeah. I mean it's it's definitely, you know, one of the holidays that um I do I do like it more than most. Um I, you know, am just a very romantic kind of person. I like the ideas behind it and around it and things like that. But of course, it has kind of it is kind of one of those commercialized holidays sure. uh similar to like Christmas or something like that. But um, I'm not a uh, curmudgeon about Valentine's Day the way I am about Christmas. Everybody kind of heard that back in December. But um, something that's really funny about Valentine's Day for me is for the past si five, six years, there has been this recurring pattern that every other year I have a Valentine and then the next year I'm by myself. And so it's always the odd numbered years I'm single and then the even numbered years, I have a person. And like, it's been that way since 2014. Oh my a, God. A, a really weird pattern, huh? Yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a strange one. But I, I do think that uh, 
it's probably a lot more common than it seems like i don't know i feel like uh i feel like a lot of people struggle with valentine's day because they they really would like to have a person but at the same time you know it, it's it's tough out there trying to find people that really understand yeah you know yeah like it it, it can be tough and i feel like yeah some people probably put pressure on it you know a little bit more Absolutely. a little bit more than they should so then like on those off years, I kind of think about it in, you know, not only just like the, the love for like a singular person, you know, in a, you know, relationship or anything like that, but, you know, just like kind of, you know, thinking about the general love that you have, like, especially right now, you know, just like the appreciation that I have for my friends and, you know, things like that. So there's, you know, you can look at different ways. Right. I guess I just love, love, I'm trying to do the love witch, but <laughs> I mean Samantha Robinson and her her delivery in this will will definitely have so much more. But uh, but yes, you you might say that we are addicted to love. Um, Absolutely. So to introduce um, my audience to you, so they kind of get a little idea about you, um, give me a little uh, horror bio. You know, like uh, where where you kind of really fell in love with where do i go yeah where do i come from cotton eye joe yes exactly (laughs) um well so i have i have a lot of horror cred i guess i mean i've been around in the in the horror world for like a decade now probably made a couple of movies once made a bunch of music uh i i don't know i guess for me it comes from sort of like a I just sort of have a passion for like enjoying the arts just in general, but I, I really enjoy horror. It just speaks to this like spicy kind of viscera in me. And it's always done that. It's always spoken to a side of me that I feel like human beings can't really speak to me about, you know, it's like you kind of work through mm-hmm. these fears and deeper desires um, through horror movies very often. So like, I feel like I've, I've always appreciated them because they're kind of they've kind of always been there for me mm-hmm. if that makes sense oh yeah. so like i feel like horror more more than anything the genre is my home more than anything so i feel like when i come at it i try to come at it as if you know it's like it's like my home i must defend my home you know <laughs> yeah no, yeah. it, it's, you know, yeah, it's definitely, you know, and that's why I always ask what people's like just general horror background. I don't just say, you know, horror movies because it's it's definitely more than that, you know, when it, when horror starts to like seep its way into other areas of your life, you know, and like, mm-hmm. you, you know, I've noticed like your music videos are always very horror centric and like, you know, sure. and some of the music that you make is like has the darker edge to it. Absolutely. And, yeah, so it's like it's there. There's many many aspects to it for sure. Um, and and you and you talked about you know the the fear aspect and like kind of exploring that. Where did the uh, channel name Nick's Fears come from? I've always been curious. Oh well, um, Nick's is Goddess of Night, uh, which I just always connected with. I can't imagine why. And and then uh, like. I, I like the concept of the dark fearing the dark. So it's kind of like Nick's fears is kind of a, it's a, it's a very authentic kind of response. I think to say that like, yes, 
this place is a place of darkness, but also it fears the dark as well, just like everybody else does. So it's kind of a safe place to explore that um, mm. more than anything. Oh, yeah. okay. I like that. <laughs> uh, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. Um, you know, I, I like that it can also kind of go both ways too, you know, like, you know, you said it's a, it's a space where everyone has a fear, but then it's like, uh, I forget who it was. And I also don't remember the exact quote, but it was something about, you know, not fearing the monsters, but who do the monsters fear, you know, exactly. And, um, you know, definitely, uh, lots of levels to it, uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and like, I think there's something in what you just said too, about like, who do the monsters fear? It's like the entire idea of my channel, I think is like just taking a shovel and digging this one extra layer, just one extra layer of academia, mm -hmm. of comfort, of like something, because I feel like we all like to talk about it, but a lot of people don't want to get into it. You know what I mean? Like really mm -hmm. get into it, like on a psychological level or like an aesthetic level. So I feel like I, I try my best to actually do that. Yes. <laughs> it's my responsibility. <laughs> I mean, 100% because, um, yeah, your videos, there's always, there's, there's always like, you know, people tend to have like similar thoughts about the same movies, you know, like, you know, how you'll exactly. watch, you know, how you'll watch, a, you know, videos on people covering, you know, the same kind of popular classic movies and all the videos and thoughts are kind of the same. But yet whenever it comes to your videos, you're, you know, not only exploring, you know, past you know just the popular horror but then you also mm -hmm. like there's always another angle that you bring to it that like that's like i have never heard that before you know that thought right. before so yeah um definitely <laughs> achieve that extra layer well thank you so much <laughs> yeah i try very hard to do this but anywho yeah and 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 as and as you you know over over time you know the, your horror experience changes like kind of went deeper and um, you know, some of the people that when you've gotten a horror super young, you know, you kind of can maybe bypass or you, cause you enjoy that phase of, oh, I watched this to be scared and to make fun right. of some of the silly stuff, you know, and then you, you kind of bypass that. And then like once, and, and not to say that like horror movies don't scare me at all anymore. I mean, cause they definitely do like horror movies scare me, but like it, it's a little bit tougher, but since I'm not experiencing as much in that phase that's when now I'm looking towards the storytelling and you know the more technical side of it you know and and right. the, the tough conversations that can come out of horror movies exactly the way I like to say is cannibal holocaust is is way more interesting on like the fifth time you've seen it but no one will ever get past <laughs> the first time so <laughs> yes yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. I actually still haven't even gotten to my first watch of Cannibal Holocaust yet. Oh, you should be giving yourself a big old thank you for that one. <laughs> oh no, I I must. I'm a I'm a I'm a cuck for found footage movies. So I mean Hell I yeah. have to, you know, so I'm a I'm gonna get to it one day. Um, I believe in you. <laughs> thank you. So while we're while we're kind of referencing some specific films, um, I asked um, you just provide like a, a recommendation and kind of give the audience a, an idea of your taste. So like either something you've watched recently or something that like uh you know really reflects your horror ideals. Yeah. Um. Right now, for whatever reason, I'm somewhat very interested in Picnic at Hanging Rock. Do you know about Picnic at Hanging Rock? 
I do not. I don't even think I've heard of that one. Okay, so it's like it's barely a horror movie, I guess. Uh, it's 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 a movie about a bunch of girls that go on like a field trip, like picnic thing, and then they one by one start going missing, and they literally are never found again. And there's mm. no rational explanation as to where they could have gone. So they like just go to a place, and it's just you, you can see for miles, and yet they go disappearing like into this nowhere land and the movie is like the most cottage core thing ever <laughs> so it like on one level it's very it's kind of like a warm blanket it's very satisfying but on another angle it's it's like very abjectly horrifying it also like the sound design it, it kind of has like that david lynch quality where a lot of it is like esoteric noise that sometimes blends in with the environment and sometimes doesn't so it kind of like pierces through uh, whatever conventions it's supposed to be and just kind of becomes a very uh, dreadful experience. So I very much like Picnic at Hanging Rock right now, and I've been talking about it a lot. Um, so check it out. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm throwing that on the list. Love me some good <laughs> cottage core. Um, yeah. And and I like, I like the sound of this because, um, you know, I think we're in an age right now of horror where everything is kind of getting really deep and heady and complicated you know and so right. the idea of that that sounds just like so bare bones like very much interests me oh yeah well and I, I think also the the temptation we have is to over explain over complicate over dramatize over you know but less is often more so it's it's odd that things like this speak to something that's something that actually tries to freak you out in the exact same way just can't do whereas something simple mm. old quaint just cuts deep yeah Ooh. yeah okay i'm throwing that up what what year is it from is it recent or is it an older one no i believe it's from the i'm gonna google it <laughs> i think it's from the uh 70s or 80s but oh. i could be wrong if it's the 70s then it it's perfect it's that that is 100 my shit if i'm if going it is to from the 70s 1975 oh yes perfect perfect yeah, perfect yeah. yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw that on hell i might watch that after we finish recording i got nothing to hell do i might watch that <laughs> I got i've been thinking about it a lot lately i need to just sit down and watch it again hell yeah so for me um as far as I, I'll touch on a recent watch, and this is, I mean, and this isn't even, um, like, a hidden gem or anything. I've also already talked about it here on the podcast, but it didn't get a, like, full episode. It was, like, way back on the second episode of the podcast. But revisiting The Fly again a few, mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, um, Cronenberg's The Fly, not the old one, um, mm -hmm. Because I revisited it to uh, guest on Daily Horror Habit, another uh, podcast, and <laughs> the conversation revolved uh, around it is that I think it is one of like the best horror romances in in horror, and people don't really. I think never agree. About it. People don't, you know, think about it as much, and it's. I mean, it's Cronenberg's Beauty and the Beast. You know, when it when you really boil it down. Well, yeah, and also I love how the way that, like I love the way the movie ends, where it's just like she just has to let him go, like 
he's gone too far this time. Yeah. It's like you get to the end of the movie and, you know, you've watched this relationship, you know, progress and, you know, the things that it, you know, is bringing out of Seth, you know, the what she's bringing out of him, what uh, Ronnie's bringing out of him. But then also then what the, you know, creature and the scientific horror is bringing out of him as well. And it just oh, like yeah. kind of keeps progressing. And then, yeah, you like get to the end and Ronnie is stuck by him this entire time. Like he is a snarling beast, you know, and, it, you know, she is stuck with him. There, There's the scene uh, a little bit before that, too, where she like gives him just like the warmest hug, but he's dripping in goo. And mm-hmm. something about that image just I was just like, damn, that's a love right there, you know? And then <laughs> like Yes, exactly. <laughs> like if that's you tolerate somebody's gross insect goo, then that's love. Exactly. That's the shit I'm looking for. That could be us, but you won't get in the telepod. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> but oh man, yeah. And then at the end where she, you know, has to has to shoot him. And you just see, and I mean, Gina Davis really sells that scene at the end too. Like just the, she has great glossy eyes throughout the entire movie. Like when she's on the brink of crying, like, ah, Mm -hmm. Gina Davis is so good. So if you guys barely hanging on, yeah. Yeah. So if, if you guys haven't rewatched the, the fly recently, um, watch it, but watch it through the lens of a love story because mm-hmm. there there's a there's a whole other layer there that you know people aren't even thinking about because they're always just thinking about you gross all the nastiness but there, there's a <laughs> lot of tenderness yeah there's a lot of tenderness there though too yeah yeah well like isn't that isn't that such a good thing about horror that like predates our current time too is the mm. warmth like like yes. the, the riskiness of actually making it very human. Uh, and I think, I think Cronenberg also is, is like wise enough to know that like the movie is mostly just about like how people kind of divert apart as they're in relationships, like slowly over time, they start to realize they, they like, they want to love each other, but they also like completely become different people. And yeah. then you're like, shit i mean literally he becomes something else and then she has to be like this isn't the thing that i love yeah he he like totally becomes something else and then like there's also the the element that stathis is hanging out her other (laughs) ex-boyfriend is also hanging out for a majority of this movie too so like adds another (laughs) layer onto you know how do how a relationship progresses because like he even gets this interesting arc where he's sleazy he's sleazy but then he realizes like okay i do just still care for her and i just genuinely want to help her now you know right. uh interest a very interesting arc there for sure yeah so i think after uh chatting a couple recommendations we are nice and warmed up to get to the feature film of the episode <gasps> The Love Witch, released in 2016, and hold on, put your seatbelts on for this, directed, written, edited, scored, set designed, costumed, and produced by one Anna Biller. Uh, She literally did everything, a one-woman wrecking crew, 
on this on this movie. And um, if you have not seen the movie, one, if you are new to the show, um, we are not going to scene for scene recap this whole thing, and we will be talking spoilers. So if you not if you have not seen the Love Witch, please do yourself a favor, pause the episode, watch it. It's currently streaming on Shutter and on like Pluto TV right now for free. So That's watch right. it and then come back. <laughs> Um, because it is, you definitely don't want this experience ruined for you, but basically the love witch is a film, uh, following a young witch named Elaine who is moving to a new town. She's putting her former life behind her, but she's trying to get a fresh start and she is looking for love and, um, on her journey of finding love, many bad things happen. Many people die and it's a very great time. And absolutely, it's this is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, I've seen it so many times. I show anybody that I can. So I was so happy. Um, whenever this was your pick that you wanted to talk about. So what made you want to talk about the Love Witch? I love the Love Witch. Um, but but like like love, it is complicated, and that's yes. what's great about the Love Witch. It's not just your regular ass anything. Nothing about it is comfortable. Nothing about it is something you're used to. Uh, matter of fact, most things in it, like, come across as fairly foreign to people that, like, see it in, in like, a contemporary sense. Because the movie is shot on 35 millimeter with, like, very specific lighting choices, design choices, color choices, uh, even down to, like, the costuming. She, Annabelle decided that she wanted to make a a period film set in modern times and by god she made a movie that looks and feels exactly like a 70s movie that operates in contemporary times and has actual contemporary things on its mind and that makes it stellar unbelievable yeah it is it is just this such a unique film and it is and it is complicated it's hard to get into it you know right off the bat um my best bud tyler he was on the show a few months ago he absolutely hates this movie <laughs> i try i've made i i thought he might appreciate it you know he's an actor with a theatrical background so i thought he would appreciate it and he like was just like this is one of the worst things i've ever seen in my life i go what do you mean you just uh, I go so it's like it it does kind of have that, but at the same time it um has garnered this uh has quickly garnered a cult following over the past few years. I mean it was reviewed um very well when it was released, and yeah, and it's like every time I go back to it, I I you know have more questions. I have new questions of you know the certain messages that it's trying to say because the the movie intentionally throws out a lot of contradictory messages and it does them very quickly so it's like it's it kind of gives you whiplash a little bit you know when you're watching it um and and trying to like pick up on like okay what are you actually trying to tell me right now yeah i mean i think that's that's a that's that's something about it that I that I love too. It's like the storytelling style is also very seventies in that it's not so much interested as in using film as a communication tool directly. Like it's not it's not like 
a vehicle for some sort of grander thing. It's, mm-hmm. It is exactly what it is. Like, it's just, it is what it is. There are complicated elements to it. There are uncomplicated elements to it. There are conflicting things, just like a human being. You know, a, a human being internally has their own contradictions. So when you can look at a movie and see it on that human level where it feels like a part of a person, it just isn't immediately enamoring. Uh, and also, I have to give a little bit of props to Samantha Robinson too, because like I do find that the reason that the most most people hate the movie is not because of the messaging. It's not because of any of any of the the look or feel of the movie. Anything that it attempts, they usually don't like it because it harkens an acting style from mm-hmm. like like Russ Meyer movies, like very very classical acting where it's like way more appropriate to call it theater acting it's like very big everybody's always like their character turned up to 11 like it's almost one could almost refer to it as a cartoon version of like a golden age hollywood movie yeah it yeah it in i saw that they kind of refer to it as presentational like style acting um and it's in, in kind of a way it's like it's like Nick Cage's acting style but quieter it, yeah. it is kind of the way that it is it yeah it's it's harkening from this like style of like you know the the 60s and then kind of with the 70s look as well it's like it's kind of right in that like sweet spot of like if this would have this would have came out in like 1969 or like somewhere in there where um you know the the technology and stuff was advancing but it was just in a visual way but the technology wasn't advancing storytelling yet there was i would say like in the the, in the 70s there were so many movies where like the the visual technology was just so far ahead of the way that they were able to tell the story you know exactly so it's like yeah the it's it's all there and it's serving purpose but it's like you know it's just there to to give the give the flair that the actors aren't giving because it's like exactly they they present just all their dialogue just so matter of fact straightforward there's like little modulation between like the way that they deliver especially samantha robinson Mm -hmm. um like i mean she's very much like at a very just steady here it is you know, and yeah, and and that's what Tyler like hated the most when we were watching it. Um, he he I just see. he just couldn't he just couldn't get into it. But I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite aspects. Is there's just so much primo lined line delivery throughout this movie. I mean, it's it's just really it's it's something. It's something I to like, behold. Like I think my favorite scene in the film is the scene where they're having tea. And it's like Samantha Robinson and her and her girlfriend having tea and they're like sitting there talking about men and Samantha Robinson's like, you know, basically I just want to be subservient to men, you know, and then, and then her friend's like, it sounds like you've been brainwashed by the patriarchy. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. it's so good because like that is the core concept of the movie and mm-hmm. yet it demonstrates the the elements of this in such a way that it's it's more it's less structurally sound and more like pockets of concepts Mm -hmm. it's like 
we'll we'll throw you into this scene where she's seducing a guy and you learn a whole bunch about her and you learn a whole bunch about the situation and what the movie is is actually kind of saying mm-hmm. in that scene and then we'll leave and go to a different scene where it completely contradicts the prior scene um or something like that mm-hmm. yeah the the tea scene is really interesting um because it's like up to that point like or this is like the the first 15 minutes of the movie and this is like a perfect example of like giving the audience like a taste of what to expect and being like hey this is the movie and if you don't like what you've seen so far you're you're not going to be a fan for the rest because they basically like that in that scene is you know yeah spelling out the you know ideologies that they're trying to explore here in this movie like just very plainly like movies aren't supposed to just explain their themes to you but this movie you know does it in a way that it just it it just works and because of you know the 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 questioning back and forth because it's like in a way they're both you know have positive points and then they both have like negative points like they're both right and wrong you know, just depending on, you know, if if you were to, like, look at it in a black and white way, obviously, it doesn't work that way. It's a spectrum, you know, and that's right. what the movie is trying to explore is, like, you know, where on the spectrum, you know, do you fall? Where does Elaine fall? And, you know, how do you feel about that? <laughs> right. Well, and also, I think the movie is strongly about ego and how we, like, narrativize ourselves. So it's it's less about like Elaine's day-to-day interactions and more about the way she internalizes her story, like the way she can convinces herself of things so that she can move forward with her life with maybe more perspective, but she usually like guides herself in the wrong direction Mm -hmm. and then ends up in something worse and then re-narrativizes it. So it's like, it's wild, but it's true that pretty much every time a woman meets like a dude, <clears throat> the woman immediately is like, okay, can I paint this into something? Like, can I see this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like Elaine's bit is that she very, very, very frequently is like, yeah, I can see this. Like I'll give it a shot. And then she ends up being way too powerful way too powerful for boys and the boys just die and they like they literally yeah i love that yeah one they literally she just makes their heart stop like literally in their tracks and yeah it's on this most recent rewatch you know i was kind of you know i'm always on elaine's side i mean 100 percent I'm on a lane stand for life. I would die for her. She's a fucking queen. Yeah. I mean, geez Louise. But on this time around, I, you know, saw a lot more of the cracks in her armor that I was kind of blind to, you know, that's, and that's like kind of, I'm falling into the trap of the movie. Like, you know, I'm, right. I, I haven't always seen the big picture with Elaine, you know, even though, you know, I do, um, you know, explore what she what she is trying to what what she stands for but then also but then now seeing those like i said like those those cracks in the in this perfect image and then it's like oh and so like you know samantha robinson and uh annabella like 
they very much like crafted this character together after Robinson was casted and immediately after they were casted they um you know were watching a bunch of old movies and they were watching movies with great sociopathic performances and I had never looked at Elaine as a sociopath before I never really thought about it and then with that with that lens then I was kind of like ah huh that's kind of interesting well yeah I mean like it's a classic femme fatale sort of idea but at the same time, it's like, number one, why is she a femme fatale? What does she actually want? And the reason that she wants to be a femme fatale is because if she's a femme fatale, she doesn't have to be quite as vulnerable when she gets hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like that in and of itself is something that I feel like most people would not attempt that kind of nuance. So it's like you can understand and empathize with her while also acknowledging that a lot of the things that she does in the movie is pretending to be bigger than herself so that she can convince herself that something good is happening to her, even when something bad is happening to her. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, the, the femme fatale angle is, um, super interesting and that way that can kind of bring us into one of the opening segments for the podcast, which is the genre grinder, where we, um, you know, we're talking, we're talking themes in this movie, love relationships, uh, all month. But then we're gonna kind of dig a little bit deeper at to, you know, some of the other subgenre aspects that make the movie work, and mm-hmm. you know, and the the femme fatale angle was something you know I didn't really think about, and then being like, damn, yeah, um, Elaine is kind of a serial killer, you know, she, <laughs> we, she has she has four deaths that we know of. Because there's also a point where they're talking about a dead body being found, but it wasn't Jerry and Wayne's body wasn't found yet. So there's right. another body that popped up, you know, so it's like because I'm assuming when we open the movie and Elaine is doing her red car drive and her narration to the camera, you know, she's literally probably fleeing a murder scene there. Like, yeah, and we just sure. don't, and we don't know about that. You know, we don't know how many men she's killed before this. Um, probably not too many because I know she didn't really get into the witchcraft until she met Jerry, but mm-hmm. you know, we don't know. And right. she, and she convinces herself that, you know, she's, she convinces herself, herself that she's not the one killing them. She, right. she, she believes that they just happen to be dying because they just can't handle it. But they're dying because their fault. I'm not killing them. They're dying because right. they can't handle their feelings. Exactly. Well, and like on, on on a weird on a weird angle here, it's it's kind of both, and that's what's great about it. It's like it's kind of both. It, she she is entirely a sociopath in in a certain reading, uh, whereas she's also entirely sympathetic in another reading, like where you can you can love her and feel for her while also like questioning her mm-hmm. um so like you're kind of like 50 50 because like the story that she tells herself about how she's accidentally made all these men die because she's too good for them is something that in in a metaphorical sense does happen like mm-hmm. not necessarily the the death angle but the fact that women that are i guess it's it's kind of like it's kind of like be careful what you wish for. A lot of people wished for a powerful woman, 
or they mm-hmm. wish for a woman that that will take care of them or be subservient or be sexual or be x or b y when when they finally get exactly what they want they find out it's too powerful for them and they discover an inner weakness it makes them entirely fall apart and they can't perform so mm-hmm. like it's it it's both which it's is like yeah which is funny like there's towards the end there during the um during the ren fair scene um you know with griff there's while the wedding and stuff is going on there's they're having like these dueling inner monologues back and forth you know and they're saying stuff and in griff you know they they have him saying you know the the obvious things that men kind of think about you know like he it was just like you know uh the more you get to know a woman the less you care about her and he just kind of goes and gets worse from there but he does and 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 then he also says you know too much love from a woman can be suffocating like you're drowning in estrogen and they they word it in a way to that obviously like okay yeah griff is he's uh he's a doucher he's a little macho extra macho man but at the same time it's yeah kind of you know what you're talking about like you know um he he thinks that you know that's not what he wants you know but then also right. you know what other what what the other men typically do want you know but then it ends up you know being too much so it's like even though they you know word his inner monologues like so specifically to where you're against him you're he still is saying something there you know which is really funny and ultimately that scene like that wedding is coerced like neither of them really i don't know like they that they would rather participate in the narrative than the reality Mm -hmm. like we don't really get to know elaine beside what we can gather from her from understanding her actions in the same way that we can't really get to understanding his character either because everybody's posturing to be something else so that they can be part of this grander narrative. So like in the scene, they're both accepting that they are being part of a narrative that's bigger than themselves, but both of neither of them actually really want it neither of them are consenting to what's mm-hmm. happening like really they, they they aren't interested in each other in in that way because they don't actually know each other <laughs> like they they never really get to know much more than the fact that he thinks she's really epic and really hot <laughs> like that's kind of the the end of it and and then elaine is mostly just into him because he could potentially love her like that's mm. literally all she wants is just someone to actually love her back. But because she's not giving authentic love because it's, she's not being her authentic self or trying to meet people that actually would understand her or anything like that, she's going after just anybody. And mm. when you go after just anybody, you know, you can so easily drown them in your estrogen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, be careful. Um, with your estrogen. With your estrogen. Um, she will be soaking you. Um, one thing that I really enjoy about this movie, um, and the, the dynamics that they explore, you know, like specifically like, okay, so we have this inner monologues 
and exploring the narrative between Elaine and Griff. I like the way that the movie is structured, that they kind of do it in this like vignette form between the, the, the various men and kind of showing the range, you know, because she is kind of going for, she's going for anyone and she encounters, you know, very different yet specific, you know, things and um, situations going on with each one, you know, between Wayne, Richard, Griff, and then, you know, Jerry from the past, you know, that influenced all of this and, you know, started it. So, so I'll back up a little bit. We're going to, we're going to start with Wayne. Um, her, Elaine's encounter with Wayne. Wayne is this, um, college professor who studies 18th century English and French literature. And, uh, you know, he's, and then he, so he's got the sophistication, but then he's also got the outdoors, wild man vibes as well because he likes to go to his cabin in the woods Mm -hmm. and you know so so she she seduces him into this because she literally just like talks like she doesn't have to talk him into it or anything she just goes you know by putting everything so plainly you know like just like oh you take women up there you want to go right now and then he's just like whoa and then like you know their their encounter on the bench she she like you know just like starts like explaining him to himself and his reaction always cracks me up when he goes wow that's a lot to gather about someone in 60 seconds that that right there is like the epitome of the the comedy here because i want to bring uh touch on that too for the subgenre stuff is um the the comedy and satire angle here or um you know like how funny do you find this movie you find it pretty oh, i find it hilarious from start to finish and it's like again that's like another like taste thing with people like if this comedy doesn't work for you then it's just it's not going to be as good of a time but yeah that's it's an ironic kind of comedy. very much it's so like, it's more it's like you laugh because you go ah dang that's just true like mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just like ah oh, dang what's she doing oh dang he just dies ah oh, dang like it's just a lot of ah oh, dang humor and like i don't think that anna biller the director sees the film as being all that funny like she probably sees it as being somewhat uh honest and miserable mm-hmm. but the movie speaks to something very frequently throughout the movie and i think depending on the kind of person that's watching it depending on what they're looking for in it, they can find different things in there that bring out humor um, that, that has been like lurking in their, in their soul, <laughs> like that they've wanted to laugh about how ridiculous yes. relationships are their whole life, but now they're finally doing it. <laughs> yeah. The, the film presents itself in a way that makes you feel better about laughing at, you know, something that like, yes, they, the, the, these are funny situations but it's also like just like kind of deeply upsetting too like these like sad truths you know that you know that they're talking about when it comes to like love and relationships so yeah I, I, and I like the way that they kind of you know progress it along as well you know it's like you have Wayne who's the 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 single bachelor and he's also a, a self-proclaimed libertine which he thinks just means that he loves women versus the actual like definition is 
someone who behaves without moral principles, especially in regard to sexual matters. That's what a well, libertine actually and he's just well, isn't that everything? He yeah. he he wants to be a libertine in his mind. Mm -hmm. And she can tell immediately, like, okay, he's an intellectual, you know, he's like he he sees himself as being kind of like rugged, but ultimately he he wants to be like this this sexual titan or something like yeah like a libertine like he would of course use that word to describe himself exactly but then the second that they have sex he fucking fails like he just dies he has he has no libertine quality about him he does not like he does not bring his a game like because he doesn't have an a game <laughs> like he He's, he, he thinks he he's a unicorn. <laughs> Go ahead. I say th he thinks he's a unicorn is what Wayne exactly. thinks he is. Exactly. Like even the way that he like reacts when they like first met, he's just like, I'm not married, but like of course he thought I was because I mean why wouldn't I be? You know, like that's the right. attitude he has about himself. You know, but right. then he's like so shocked whenever he doesn't like have to do any work or like try to impress her because she just like. He, or he thinks he's not having to try, but it's really, she's just like, well, no, I'm, I'm controlling this situation, not you. Right, exactly. Well, and, and, and the fucked up thing <laughs> is when you, when you really, really get down to it, what's the difference? What's the difference between her and him? I mean, she is also doing that. She is also viewing herself in that very spe specific lens. The only difference, I guess, is that she she knows how to make herself look and be exactly desirable, but not in an authentic way, not in a genuine way. She builds up this persona about herself mm -hmm. rather than being like any. So so like when they're on this park bench deciding to go to the cabin and have sex, like neither of them is being honest about like what they actually want, who they mm -hmm. are or why they're doing what they're doing at all. And this is like every relationship that like almost anybody has, like 95% yeah. of relationships probably are just people like pretending really, really hard, leaning into things really, really hard so that the other person is like, wow, this person's perfect, but really mm -hmm. they don't know that person. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, so like the situation with Wayne is like, you know, the example of when you're kind of going up against yourself, you know, and like kind of, and, you know, like you said, they're, they're both just like showing the, the best angles and, you know, but also like, you know, trying to outdo each other of like, who's, who's controlling the narrative here, you know, when in reality right. at the end, you know, we know that Elaine has no control over the narrative. She, it's just, it's going to happen the way it's going to happen. But speaking of, you know, um, looking her best, gotta talk about Samantha Robinson, the outfits in this movie, immaculate. I mean, the, I've always seen, have you seen those tweets where it's like, what's the most like attractive, the most beautiful someone's ever looked on screen. Like this is Samantha it. Robinson, this is it for me. 
Like Yeah, without a doubt. Samantha Robinson is like unbelievably beautiful in this film. I mean, it's like I like it is just it's so overwhelming. I remember and it and I had never heard of her, you know, before this movie. I remember whenever I saw it for the first time, it was like, you know, I didn't know who she was or anything. And it was just like, how have I not known? Like this, that this bitch right here, this is my type. Everything, everything, <laughs> head to toe. This is right. my type right here. And it's like how it, ah, uh, like she is just too much. Like her ass is like perfect. Like in oh, her, uh, in her little strip tease, like in the first strip tease for Wayne, and they have just the glorious shot of her ass and his like face in the bat in the background. It's just like, oh man, like it's too good. <laughs> there's this like there's this uh, it's almost like um it's a sad cockiness to it where where like she just knows that she has the greatest ass of all time. And she just like is constantly like trying to present it to people in a way that is supposed to mean more than ass. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like ass objectively is ass. Oh but yeah. She, like she throws her ass into situations, assuming that that's somehow going to heat things up or make things better. But usually the ass actually kills it because it's too good. I mean, that that's literally where it goes when we get to, to Richard's situation. Like, when she's dancing, it's a literal ass worship. Like, he's rubbing his face, like, all over her <laughs> in in that strip tease, which is also just, like, I love that we have multiple strip teases in this movie. We have dance, we have, we have burlesque dancing, and, and we also have Ren Faire music. I mean, you get every, I mean, every pleasure that you could want. It's in this movie. Yeah. Well, so here's a question. Do you know anything about tarot? Like tarot cards? Um, I had I just got my first deck like a mm-hmm. month and a half ago. So I've been, you know, doing my research. I'm studying. I, I I've been cool. trying to I, I got my own little methods, but I'm I'm still very yeah, in the beginnings though. Cool. Well then good. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Like so there, there are the there are the four suits of tarot. It's like um, the wand, which is knowledge, the sword, which is bravery, the cup, which is desire, and the um, the star, the pinnacles, which is to be to remove oneself. It's the it's the anti egoist thing. So like throughout the film, she she be fucking with each suit. To see, like, to see the 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 weaknesses in it. So, like, she goes after someone she views as knowledgeable, someone she views to be like someone of the wand, and then she discovers actually, like, he's he's completely unknowledgeable. He doesn't know anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> he just pretends to have knowledge, and then like she meets a brave person. Brave person, same deal. Like. And basically she, she slowly learns over the course of time that like each one of these suits is kind of a hat that someone wears instead of something that they embody. It's not mm-hmm. something that they, that they live as a principle of. It's like, it's, it's almost arguing that human beings are all the same, no matter how much we want to like pretend 
that there's more in there, but I don't necessarily know if, if that's necessarily what Anna Biller would say. I think, I think more or less it's Samantha Robinson discovering that all these things that are, are, are aspects of a full person, aspects knowledge <laughs> desire as yeah aspects um all of these things that are aspects of a full person on their own in- individually are things that people use to coddle their ego and then mm-hmm. she quickly realizes that like there there's nothing behind that if that makes sense damn yeah. they are all the tariffs holy shit well and she represents desire as well like she desires love mm-hmm. but why does she desire love and she doesn't desire love with someone specifically she desires love as an item as a thing as a possession not necessarily as like something that she wants to experience between two people or something that grows over time yeah. she wants it now <laughs> but she she wants it now and she also you know, it's the the idea of you know she she has she has the idea of like she says if you have if you want love you have to give love so like the whole movie she's talking about okay you give give them what they want give them their desire give them all these things and you know kind of and there's an element of manipulation to that you know but then she's saying that she's gonna get that you know. But then wanting this is, you know, she does it in very selfish fashions, you know, with right. the, and that's what like the metaphor of just love magic is like, they never really get into detail on what kind of love magic she's doing, what, what, yeah. it's just, they, they just say it, you know, and so it's kind of this like, you know, stand in for all the things that she's kind of doing here. Exactly. She kind of like... <laughs> the the magical element of the film is is fascinating in that it's entirely personal like we don't mm-hmm. see her do anything magical really in the film like she kind of just has these specific practices that she does because she feels like this is how she's grown to understand the world it's kind of like you know she 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 does like alchemy and shit like that mm. throughout the film and her version of alchemy is literally just making hallucinogenic drugs to give to men so that she can seduce them and then have sex with them and then they die (laughs) like like ultimately she's concocting a kind of mental poison Mm -hmm. but she thinks that this is the answer like that's her witchcraft is only witchcraft to herself like she she has she has tricked herself into believing it um even though like it's it's not an inherently bad thing and a lot of people view it in a in a good way she's exclusively using it for harm even mm. though she is the love witch she intends love but her version of love is pain yes like yeah. very much so i will say i think i've i i've gathered uh one of the other instances of magic i'd say is she she has some sort of mesmer ability as i would say mm. like she does these the shit with her eyes and like they like lock eyes and like you like see like they like shift their entire focus so like she has mm-hmm. maybe some like mesmer stuff going on i'm not exactly sure but sure. 
Um, but yeah, like, and, and also, you know, then they refer to her, to her sex magic, you know, which is, she's, it's just sex, you know, it's not, there's not a magic. There's no magic to it, (laughs) but it's just sex, you know, and, and it's, you know, interesting that she, you know, uses that and says, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, you know, cause if I get them what they want, if I give them, if I give them all the sex, they're going to give me all the emotions and it's going to be great. But then you learn that, you know, she gained her practice and like got involved with this, uh, coven, which is like almost more of a cult. And, <laughs> and, you know, she, the, their whole premise of, you know, how she got it was like a reluctant, you know, kind of like sex act, but now, so it's still kind of the same thing here, you know, right. in the way that she is just like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drug them and then I'm gonna fuck them and then boom, bam, boom, I'm the love witch. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and in a weird way, she's, she's grown to believe that that, that is like the basis. And I, I think that, that like, um, the, the way you put it is interesting where you're saying that basically she's trading sex for emotion, which is a transaction. Like she's she's handling it transactionally, mm-hmm. um, which I guess is like the way she's learned to itemize people, like in, in including herself, which is the weird thing, like how one can even itemize themselves. But it's like depersonalization. She mm-hmm. wants not the person, but the the love that's inside, supposedly, assuming that there is any. Mm-hmm. Hold and on. in order to do that, she gives away the quote unquote only things that she's got, you know, like she's got sexuality. That's about it. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like a, and that's where it's like kind of like a, a the conflicting of, oh, I, I also want to, you know, you, you do want to appreciate like, you know, like, oh, does she have, you know, she has this power over her sexuality and, you know, her body and the way that she uses it and the choice she's making. But does she really? You know, and then exactly. it's like, and that's, and that's kind of sad too. Well, yeah, I, I think that's like, that, that super gets to the whole thing too. It's like, she comes across in the first half of the film as being ultra empowered, like feminist icon. She is independent. She mm-hmm. does whatever she wants. You know, if she wants to have sex with a guy, by God, she fucks that guy. <laughs> like she gets to do whatever she wants and she gets to, to decide when and where and how and all of that stuff. But ultimately that is a shield. Like her, her, her ability to do that is like, is, is actually the opposite of her empowerment. Like she's not empowered. She's actually much weaker than maybe she had ever been supposedly because she's, (laughs) she's using it to harm herself. Like she's using her empoweredness to harm herself, if that makes sense. No, totally does. And also, hold on one second. There's a dumb, dumb sucker calling my name. I need to grab it. Hell yeah. That's what I like to hear. This one is peach flavored. Hell kinda, yeah. It, we love the, a peach flavor. The wrapper kind of looks like your hair. It's like. Oh, <laughs> it does kind of. Look at that. <laughs> all the all the weird textured layers. It's good. <laughs> But, Fun. but yes, on, on your point of it, like kind of making it weaker, that's kind of where her encounter with Richard goes to, you know, she is, you know, basically she's seducing her homegirls, 
husband while Trish is out of town. And that's really shitty. But she does it under the guise of like, well, no, I'm, you know, she, I'm providing what Trish isn't providing. You I'm know, doing him a favor. And doing him a favor, yes. And it, it, so it's like, this is, yeah, where she's at her cockiest, her, her most confident, you know, in right. just being like, oh, I can seduce him. And all, but at the same time, it's a win win for me because he's, he's cheating on her, but I'm not doing anything because he could, of course, always say no, but he's not going to. So it like, you know, that's her kind of talking herself out of the, you know, guilt of what she's doing in the situation. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and like she, it's like she, um, well, she tries to be like smarter than the situation. She's constantly trying to be smarter than the situation that's going on. And she's constantly trying to be more emotional than the situation that's going on. Like trying to like control the, the, the status of her mind Mm -hmm. uh, as, as like, in a claim that the if I am better than men, then I cannot be hurt by by them. But at the same time, there is no such thing as being better than men because there's no such thing as being better than anybody. And also, like, no matter how much you put in, like how much stock you put into being the smartest or being the best or being whatever, ultimately being really good at things comes with this weird like feeling that you owe the world this this thing you have and mm-hmm. therefore a man would deserve it like and not only would deserve it but would need it and it would actually make his life better but in reality sometimes you, you give people what they want and they just crumble so like you know she she fucks her best friend's husband what do you think is gonna happen his whole life falls apart yeah yeah he you know that she when she is like you know talking him into it you know she's saying like telling him or she she asks him she's like you know what what turns you on and then he talks about flying for a minute but then he's like i also want to do crime and then and then have a love affair and then he's like you know what nobody's ever asked me that question or he's like trish never asked me that question and then she's like well, here, boom, I'm giving you the love affair. I'm going to give you exactly what you want. And then it's too much for him and he, he crumbles. But then it's also because, and then again, she's just like, man, he's also like, you know, she, she called Wayne a pussy saying that he couldn't handle his emotions. So she was like, okay, maybe this married guy, he'll be able to handle it. But no, he can't handle it either. And she's just like, ah, God damn it. He's a pussy too, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and like, it's... <sighs> It always comes down to this like concept that I feel in my in my heart, which is that very oftentimes like relationships are about somebody pouring their whatever ishness into someone else's cup. And if that cup runneth over, then it's over. Um, Mm -hmm. But like that, that isn't entirely apt because ultimately people aren't water and they're not cups like you you know most people i don't think really pour themselves into each other very well most of the time when someone's pouring themselves into somebody else it's actually like a it's like a sign of insecurity more than anything it's like you know we all we all know people who like they like fall in love really hard really fast Mm -hmm. and 
then they explode. Like, you know, two weeks later, they're like, can't stand her anymore. You know, and it's like, what, why did you ever think that you were in love? Like, and the reason they think it is because they, they want to believe that that's a part of their story. Like they want that to be their story for right now. But then the second they realize that their fantasy is a fantasy, like it doesn't belong in reality. Like mm-hmm. fantasies belong in our mind. Reality is different. And that's why we like fantasy because it's not reality. But then when it becomes reality, then just reality collapses because reality will never live up to fantasy and fantasy is not authentic. Yeah. And the, yeah. and the most, and I would say the most common fantasy that people desire out of this is the idea of love. Like she is not again, like she is, not in love with any of these people or is she gonna find that person because she is just looking for this perfect idea of love that she also tries to control with the use of her love magic you know being you know even though it's like in the grand scheme of things you know love is one of those things you can't control but her being like well no i'm i'm making all this happen myself it's because i'm doing the love magic and the people from the the witch coven they they keep telling her you know you know why are you why are you bothering with the the love magic anyways like you know you're great you you know and you you don't need the love magic why do why are you doing it and but then they also say love love magic never uh works out the way that people think it's going to you know yeah yeah i mean well and like the the very concept it's like if you can't have what you want you inoculate them like like you like elucidate them so that you can take what you want and that's literally just the same thing that like a lot of people complain them about what men do where they just like they they claim that a lot of men inoculate people and then take advantage of them but like the reality is we're all doing it all the time and we need to not do that. <laughs> like, we need to not inoculate people with misinformation or drugs or any kind of substance of any variety when we're trying to, like, be with them. Because it's it's like theft. And love magic, even though it may be innocent or it may not be innocent, it doesn't work out like you want it to because ultimately it's it's like emotional theft. Mm-hmm. And that's... Like, kind of sucks. <laughs> it does, you know, and that's what Elaine is like kind of grappling with when it comes to Griff, you know, like, but basically, um, you know, grappling with that idea, but more akin to, um, Elaine, you're killing people. And then she's like, but no, I'm not is is, what I'm doing is not wrong, you know, because it's, it's for love. And, and that's, you know, kind of where she's exploring with like, when she gets to him, you know, the, the, the strong guy, the, the, you know, he's the grizzled cop who, you know, does it all, but he's super cool, but, you know, so it's like, she, she's just like, I mean, he is the strongest that anyone can be, so of course he's gonna be able to handle it, but then, you know, he, he's he, the one he that can't. just like, yeah, even he can't. Yeah, well, and, and it's, it's ultimately the, you know, the same kind of thing. I think, I think he's really interesting, because she goes into that situation thinking, that she can maybe manipulate the situation that she's got herself into by using her very innocent love magic to solve her problem. 
And ultimately, it actually makes her problem a million times worse because, like, manipulating someone who's on to you is, like, not a very smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, that, and it's funny because she she the seduction method isn't the same here. You know, she doesn't strip tease Griff and manipulate him in this situation. She comes at him from the other end. She goes, okay, I'm going to come from the the sympathy angle and, you know, and like she gets extra doe eyed and like, you know, tries to manipulate him that way to try and get her out of the situation. But like you said, like it's, it's already too late at this point, you know, but she, and she kind of knows that and like knows that her, you know, usual methods weren't going to work. So now she's pulling out the, you know, the, the hail Mary, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I love the way the film ends. Uh, it speaks to me. <laughs> I don't know why it speaks to me uh, entirely. I guess we'll figure that out along the way. But like, I think the film has an incredible, like it has an incredible way of demonstrating that it understands. Like it confuses you, but it understands. Like it's it's one of those things where you when watching the film may not entirely understand what is being told to you. Uh, You're not understanding exactly what you're supposed to grapple with um, from the film. And also the film is also similar to Elaine in that when you watch the movie, the movie brings you in aesthetically. It teases you, it attracts you, but then it hurts you. Like it, it brings you in and then it bites you in the exact same way that Elaine does that. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the way that it does work out that way. Cause I was kind of thinking about that. Like the, the first half of the movie and the second half of the movie are like very, very different experiences. Like they, but like, I mean, you're still, you know, everything it maintains the, the visual consistency, but then, yeah, like the, the tone kind of has, um, a very stark difference between them and like yeah the way it kind of lures you in and like you said you it, it it makes you feel like it's like oh you're you're in for a a really good time like a better time than you know like it like it seems more whimsical and more lighthearted. like like I said like of course like the first encounter with Wayne is my favorite I think it's just like if you're gonna try and sell somebody on this movie I'm going to give them the Wayne portion because like, oh, yeah. you know, it's exactly. like, you know, like it's more, it's the most lighthearted and like, you know, it's the funniest and it, and it lures you in. And then, yeah, like then you, once it's like, okay, now that I got you and we're going to start, you know, bringing in more of the heavier stuff, the more complicated things. And now I'm asking you a lot of questions. You didn't think there was a pop quiz today, did you? That's the way that the movie is like paced out and like, you know, at at like almost two hours on the dot, um, you know, yeah, exactly. is, is perfect. And it, it also like it knows exactly when the audience needs to stop. Like it, it knows exactly when it's 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 had you. And it's given you all the information you need. And now it knows that it's time for you to like <clears throat> leave now. Like it, it, it's so indulgent, but is it like, it's so decadent, but is it like, that's, what's great about it at the end of the day, like it, 
it lures you into this and then you learn that it's actually filled with weakness and and like it makes you see people differently it makes you see men differently it definitely makes you see women differently where you just see you start to if you really apply the movie like if you really think about the movie and apply it to your life which is a strange mm. thing to say about a movie but if you do this you begin to see that like people be doing this kind of stuff all the time yeah all the time constantly and you can always tell when someone's like posturing to you or trying to make themselves look better or trying to appeal to your fantasy when like fantasy just ain't it just ain't it that just ain't it chief like and 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 this is all you get too like it's like we're we're gonna give you this fine fine amount we're gonna give it to you but that's all you get you know like even your fantasies have limits as well is which is super interesting like yeah this this movie uh it's just so it's It's so it's so lush is like such a great word for it like aesthetically and thematically you Mm -hmm. know because at the end of the day because at the end of the day it's like you can just watch this and have a really great time with it you know like like in the moment of like it's one of those movies like in the moment it's a lot more fun and you're not thinking about it but then a few days later then you're thinking about this kind of stuff you know like it's Mm -hmm. the the way that it has that experience um well like the the fucked up thing is when you're like out and about and you meet a wayne and you go oh fuck that's wayne and then you meet a a griffith or you meet elaine you know you meet people Mm -hmm. like this all the time and you're just like oh okay so this person's trying to be like this okay this person's trying to be this kind of person Mm -hmm. this person trying to be this kind of person and like i don't know it, it in a weird way it almost isolates you because it makes you like try to reach in to people like you you almost want to to try and get past it once you're aware of it like you're mm-hmm. you're like dang i i need to get i need to get past this person's like weird thing they built mm-hmm. <laughs> so that they can get to who they are but most people will never ever let that go yeah enough for you to get in there because it's, it's scary hard. you know yeah. like it's scary that's what makes love and relationships scary because you don't want to let go of that control that give up that vulnerability you know you, you just yeah. you want to do everything you can not to do that and so exactly. yeah I, I love the ending that um you know so after griff griff um rescues her he confronts her in the bar, but then everyone in the bar hears that she's a witch and they all hate witches in this town and they sexually try to sexually assault her and they say they're going to burn the witches, of course. And then right. so Griff, even though he, you know, had already confronted her, he's angry at her, still like saves her out of the situation, gets his ass kicked. And then, you know, at the end of the day, Elaine kills his ass. She stabs him and emulates, you know, that painting that she had been working on earlier in the film. It was, mm-hmm. you know, her in the in the mythical outfits, you know, because her in her conversation with Trish, they talk about every every woman is just a little girl that has princess dreams. We all have our princess dreams and the and the prince, you know, so there's the recurring theme of that, which they then connect back to with the Ren Fair stuff. And then, you know griff gang stabbed and in in the painting 
she it, he's already on the ground and it's like but she's also holding the holding his heart as if right. she like you know dug it out with the sword and the painting and then that's basically what she is doing you know the heart what she you know basically stabbed him while pulling his emotions out of his yeah. chest and yeah. it's like a visual metaphor too because she's got his heart and his heart is where we associate love mm-hmm. like that's it's having someone's heart is like having their love but ultimately having someone's heart is just having some meat you know it's just some meat there's no there's no love in there it's just some meat you know so like isn't that everything to you like isn't that the whole thing like you you're like ah, i'm gonna get somebody's heart and then you get in there and that's eh, just meat it's just, it's just <laughs> it's meat. like shit it, and it's per and it's purposeless after it's removed. Like after exactly. it's removed, it is no good anymore. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, exactly. She, it's it's that it's that classic thing of like people don't know how to be friends. People yeah. don't people people know how to like quote unquote try to live out their fantasy, but people genuinely don't know how to just be caring and just be friendly and and just like get to know people like we we really don't know how to do that we we over intellectualize it or we over emotionalize it so much that by the time we're talking to a person we're not even talking to them anymore we're talking past them and to some hypothetical and yeah that's that's the shitty thing about relationships (laughs) (laughs) it 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 do be like that it do they say it don't but it do it it does and yeah it's the it's this idea of you know when um Elaine when she's seducing Richard and they and he's just worshiping all over and everything and she and we have our Leo DiCaprio point moment where she's like I'm the love witch I'm your ultimate fantasy and like that's all she cares to be like she like you said like there's no like when you dive you know so hard into you know like these are the people that are just like ah oh, man i i really like the the people that can't be single for like you know a few weeks like every time mm-hmm. after they get out of a relationship they're immediately exactly. in another one you know it's it's yeah. those people that are just like ah like because it's just not about the person anymore it's just like about fulfilling that ultimate fantasy that you're trying to you know get to without like you said without doing the work without getting to know somebody without just yeah starting off being genuinely caring yeah it's like the perfect valentine's day movie because valentine's day as beautiful as valentine's day ideally should be a lot of times it's people playing that game that specific game with each other trying to get a valentine beyond trying to be close to someone or being whatever it's a it's a it's a holiday that that weirdly embraces the itemization and depersonalization of people where it totally shouldn't. It should be about genuinely meeting and loving people. Mm. Uh, but oftentimes it's people playing that specific game and it hurts them. Yeah. <laughs> it's hurting them more than it's hurting others as well. Yeah, it's playing the game, ironically, even though Wayne tells Elaine... You play no games. You have no agenda, um, and but yeah, uh, people people be playing games, 
And this is the ultimate Valentine's Day movie, in my opinion, as well. For sure. Like, if you want to, yeah, just, like, get both aspects, you know, it's it's kind of just like a, you know, holding holding a hard truth up to somebody's face, you know, but you, but you dipped it in chocolate, so you're like, it's better, right? You know? Um, exactly. I did like see... I have a dead cat here, but I covered it in chocolate. Isn't it great? <laughs> now it's tasty. Mmm, dead cat mm-hmm. covered in chocolate. Yum yum. Yum I, yum. I did see this movie for the first time um the the week of Valentine's Day 2017, which like I said, odd number of years, single boy. So that's whenever I did see this and but then I've also shown like all the girls I've dated this movie as well mm-hmm. and then they all love it. You know, right. so it's like, you know, it, it works on on every occasion. I do be finding out that women like the love witch a whole lot more than most men like the love witch. I think I think men find it kind of difficult to approach because they they don't like the idea that women are lying to them, even when they seem like they're not. <laughs> but mm-hmm. also women um, don't like the idea of anybody lying either. <laughs> So it's so it's a it's a it's a confrontational film. It, it confronts you, like it, mm. it doesn't allow you to get away clean. Like you see the movie, it's going to get in you. And yeah, like you know, yeah, men probably don't want to watch this movie and realize, oh, I'm a Wayne. Oh, I'm a Griff. Oh, I'm a Jerry. You know, exactly. they don't want to. They don't want to confront that, you know, or like you said, like, be willing to be like, you know, get past like these are these are the people that still believe like, oh, yeah, I'm the dude. And I always ask the woman out and I always take the initiative. And it's like they don't want to, you know, also see that as well. But then also realize like, oh, my God, you know, if if my emotions are unleashed, I will bend at your will. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so good. And uh, you know and, and it's these movies it, they're so rare, you know, to uh, be able to do what Anna did in, you know, have, you know, this this complete, you know, grasp and control over this film, you know, from, you know, narratively, from the aesthetic, from like, I mean, everything. She everything. And she 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 literally did it all. Not all uh by her choice i did like read like she had like did an interview and it was like cast member or like not cast members production Crew members members yeah. yeah they they didn't like the movie that she was making or they they thought that they were told that they were making something else but not this so then people mm-hmm. were just quitting off the movie you know left and right, right. and which is just like insane to me but yeah. you know to be able to still work through that and like just like have like that singular movie that this is like this is everything you know that i i got and uh, exactly. that's like that's the dream exactly well and like imagine i know that control is a theme of the film but imagine mm-hmm. having some right like in 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 that sense like where you could you could really just get in there and, and make exactly what you want in every particular. 
it's, it's super rare that we actually get to see people um, like completely display themselves, like completely make themselves, you know, naked in a literary sense, like naked in the in the vulnerable sense, like someone who literally did it all. It's it's miraculous. Yeah, like I mean, and and you've gotten to work on some movies in the past like I mean if you had just like if you were either required to be in the situation where you had to do it all or you were just given it all you know like what what what's your what's a what's an idea of a passion project for you that you would just be like but that but you would just be like I need to do all this myself (laughs) so I want to make I want to make a a a texas black metal movie but i want the black metal movie to be like kind of gay a little bit like a little bit country ironically and a little bit like social so i think my ideal scenario would be pseudo documentary like follow around interesting people have interesting stories and try to convey the like the depth within a certain person's like like place within their world ironically i feel like i would make a movie very fairly similar to the love witch um in in this way like i feel like in in my mind this film that i see is like one that not only like is visually exactly what i want but also narratively is true like is it gets to that level of true and something like something where you can get to that level of true is very difficult to achieve because it's such an overwhelming effort to try and make a movie like especially if you're doing it on film especially if you're trying to work with a crew it's very difficult to work with a crew but also be like y'all get no input you know what i mean so yeah. so like my my mentality is always to kind of like let my let my crew and let my cast kind of find the movie themselves and sort of watch them find the movie and help that helps me make decisions as to what I want the movie to be so I feel like something very loose is something I'm interested in I I would like to do something very loose maybe here in a couple months after it gets a little warmer Maybe I'm just do this. I feel like I've been wanting to make a movie for a long time again, and I haven't done it because it's such an effort. <laughs> but if you do it and you do it right, there's nothing more satisfying in the world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously there's, you know, the the collaborative effort. You you want to have that. Um, you know, I, I, love, I love the idea. It's like kind of gives me some... Like maybe this is Spinal Tap meets. Uh, I had a I had a real gay movie that would have been a would have been a vibe for it, but but I have I do Tangerine. Yeah, I have seen Tangerine. Like that like kind that, of that vibe. That yeah. that a uh, uh, a a layer of trash on top. Exactly, <laughs> a little a... bit of Don Waters, <laughs> just a taste. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, ooh. I would, I would very much love to see that. Um, I love the, the, the metal aspect as well. Um, I, I have this idea that I'm very, 
that I've been working on. And, it, and it's kind of something similar that Anna Biller did and like, you know, the way that she did this 60s, 70s, you know, look, but in modern times. And it like kind of has like, you know, this makes it feel like timeless as well. Like I have an idea that I want to do and it's it's going to be set at a entirely at a roller disco and it's going to be kind of like that same thing. It's in modern times, but it's also very like it's my my fantasized version of what the 70s are like i'm not Mm -hmm. gonna like do a bunch of research on to you know make it timely period accurate this is just my 70s what i think and feel about you know the era just on based off of what i'm influenced by you know i think that will just like have a really cool vibe to it but it's this it, it's a, it it's a movie that it starts off the first half is a slasher movie within this roller disco but then it takes a sharp turn into cultiness little love little lovecraftianness and uh yeah and it's just like and very much like the love witch like you know it it's you know flows through subgenres I mean, there's people that have argued with me that this isn't a horror movie, and I mean, it it is. She's she is a she is a murderer, and love is scary. So yes. I mean, this is 100% a horror movie, but um, but yeah, I I definitely just want to it it have this like I said like m- this fantasy 70s uh era, um, you know, yeah. so a mix of you know modern you know old school 70s disco and funk but then you know with the the modern kind of disco pop and like you know uh kind of stuff that's going on now and influence like you know that kind of whole whole lifestyle but i love a single location too i want to see i want to see how much i want to see how much things different how many different things i can make happen in this one place like, yeah. you know, how, like how, just how much, you know, before it just explodes. <laughs> yeah. Before it just explodes. <laughs> I love that idea. That's very punk rock. I love that. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's, it's, it's super, the, the, the thing I really vibe with about it is like, when you say, I want this to be my idealized version or my fantasy version of the seventies in a way, I feel like you're saying I want to use the 70s to, to be to say to talk about me. You know what I mean? Like you use mm-hmm. it to talk about the way you see the world. You, just like you mentioned Lovecraft. Well, like your idealized fantasy version of Lovecraft on screen is probably not going to look or sound a lot like what Lovecraft would ever have done. Exactly. But it's better because it, it comes out of you. It, it's like you you use it you use history yeah like exactly. like very much so like yes like i'm not i'm not trying to be historically accurate like no like i am blatantly ripping off what i think the 70s is i'm hacking that's <laughs> yes what i'm doing but i'm doing exactly. it for, for for me you know that that's, sounds fantastic <laughs> that is the dream oh man and uh, yes that that is 100% the dream but it was also 100% the dream to have you on the podcast like uh, thank you so much for coming on 
and Absolutely. having this epic discussion on the love witch like i've been waiting for this for a very long time hell yeah me too <laughs> yes um where can the good people find you on the socials so that way they can keep up with you well i'm on twitter you can find me at at nick spheres n-y-x-f-e-a-r-s i'm also at youtube uh also nick spheres n-y-x-f-e-a-r-s and i have videos coming soon i think (laughs) yes like um make sure you go and subscribe like very 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 much worth your time once you start a binge like it's very hard to stop like I, I did myself a disservice because I'm pretty sure I watched all your your videos like within a week and then I had nothing oh else. At, then I had nothing else after that. So so Damn, pace your, we hate that. <laughs> pace yourselves, people. Have control. Yeah, control your desires. Sure. Um but yes, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um we have a couple more weeks left here in Lovesick Month. Um I am very excited for some of the movies that we have coming up next week. Hey, we are talking about May, but not May here, but May, oh. the movie. Um, Love that film. Yeah, it'll be my first time. So Ooh. very intrigued for that. We are talking May and Jennifer's body next week. Very excited to uh, pair those two together. And uh, yeah, uh, subscribe to Nick's Fears. Also, make sure you guys go onto Apple and do the whole five stars thingy and write a word or two. I would have greatly appreciated it um, because this has been a great month so far and it's only going to get better. But that is going to go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blend Cinema Club. New episodes every Tuesday. Make sure you are following the podcast page at Bloody Blunt CC on Twitter and Instagram and my personal page at underscore Daddy Disco. So until next time, guys, stay lifted. <laughs>